Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. Here we discuss ideas, experiences, and share our stories about L&D-specific topics. I'm Shannon Tipton, owner of Learning Rebels, where we strategically fix training that's broken and develop workplace learning that delivers desired business results. Today, the cool kids will be talking about capabilities that L&D will need to have in order to remain relevant in the business world. Here's the thing. When it comes to talking about the future skills of L&D, many of us still rely on skills such as e-learning development, learner-centered design, writing objectives that align with business goals. And that's all well and good. But I'm here to tell you, we're going to need more than that. We need more than skills that simply focus on adult learning and developing workplace skills. We're going to need skills that are going to take us into the future or else the future will leave us all behind. So the big question on the table today is, what do smart trainers need to know in order to stay relevant for the future? So without further ado, Let's get to it. Welcome, Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. Today we are talking about the skills needed for the future of L&D. So this is our conversation today. Now to carry over into Amanda's comment, you're absolutely right. Things are changing so quickly that it's crazy. And one of the things, Amanda, that you brought up that I really appreciate, and Erica, I see your hand there, One of the things that I appreciate is the understanding of the compliance and the regulation and everything that is changing for everything. So it's not just um, AI related. It is, you know, accessibility. Finance regulations are changing. Real estate. You saw, you might have seen some of the news coming down from the real estate agency coming through the last couple of days about the way that they're handling commissions and such like that. So those things are also changing and it's part on us to try to keep up with all of that and to have our teams keep up with all of that. And if you own a business, you have to keep up with all of that. So there's a lot going on there. So that's a a really thoughtful ad, Amanda. Erica. To the term that you used, Shannon, about like a generalist. So we may have to become more breadth instead of depth in our knowledge comprehension and skills as far as like even if you're an instructional designer how much do we need to know about marketing how much do we need to know about quality management but i think like what my team is trying to do is position ourselves then more as the center of excellence so that if another group goes out and they try and get something created by ernst and young our team would be able to vet it. Then it's less that we're actually maybe doing the designing and developing, but now we're doing more of how do we help to control the learning environment or what are we doing to allow the learning environment within the company or organization to be as worthwhile as possible? So I absolutely agree. So there have been some companies that I've worked for where having an LED breadth of experience 
was what they wanted. And then other companies, they are just needing a whole lot of compliance training to be developed and delivered the date that it needs to be implemented. Christian, and I've spoken to you about this, whereby, you know, I'm seeing a laundry list of all the skills that, you know, recruiters are putting for jobs, listing every possible e-learning software that there is out there. And you know, in reality, that they're not using all of them, right? <laughs> so yes, I can see the benefit of, of having breadth of experience, but then some companies, they're wanting absolute specialization. So I just feel it differs by organization and by industry, which makes it very hard for us. And that's why we have a whole mirror board that we could probably fill up and maybe feel even more overwhelmed by all the things we need to learn. I appreciate your comment and you're right. What you know or will need to know is certainly driven by organizational need and what industry that you're in as well. That said, I believe that if we could take an effort to learn more things outside of what we normally do and not to be the unicorn, because you're right, I've seen some of those job ads coming through on LinkedIn. I saw one not too long ago and it had 30 bullets. I'm like, who is doing all of this? It's, it's actually three jobs in one, you know? So that tells me that the Hiring manager doesn't know what they want. They just want everything. So in lieu of saying, I don't know what I want, just go ahead and apply. Just they're just going to put down 30 bullets, you know, and that becomes scary to think that we have to be able to do all of these things. But I think in this case, if we have at least working knowledge of some of these areas, then we can determine when I get hired into the real estate industry, if I get hired into the restaurant industry, then I can pick and choose which ones do I need to go deeper on. And so I think this is how our own personal knowledge grows, is that when we think, how is it going to apply? And so now, which areas do I need to dig deeper with? But at least I have some sort of surface knowledge about the things that are important. And then I can talk to my business about those things. Yeah. But I think that's a really good point. It's so easy to become overwhelmed when, you know, as we start thinking about this list and start thinking about things like, you know, business acumen, and you're thinking about, well, do I know how to read financials? I don't know. And all of the other things that go along with that. But I believe that those five points, being agile, data analytics, curation skills, technical acumen, and business acumen will take us where we need to go. Some of the other things that we're talking about, such as, you know, building a learning environment or understanding learning technologies, I think those are, they almost go without saying, we need to know those things in order to be good at what we do. If we don't, then we kind of need to backtrack a little bit and spend some time upskilling ourselves. In my eye, those five are the ones that really need, are the ones we really need to focus on. I think we also need to better learn how to affect change where we can affect change. Right. We're learning that, unfortunately, that the window of what we can really influence, even in the business of what we do, is narrow and is possibly getting a little bit even narrower. So that at the end of the day, 
all the things that might be lofty and good goals, or even us knowing like what is good learning science, we're still being met with the limitations of the business. And the business is not something that we can control. So what can we can control to help align us to the business as best as possible and to make us as relevant and appearing as a necessity, right? Or as a benefit and a value add to the business. And so I think it behooves us to really understand what is our lane of effective change so that we can really maximize us being perceived as good partners and value add to the overall business. I know that L&D, it's almost as though we're in the middle of an existential crisis. Where are we? Who are we? Where are we? You know, we all want to climb up to the mountain and and find the L&D guru so we can all just listen to wise words to help us figure out where we are in the world today. And I think the point that you're making there, Erica, is very valid in that just know what we can do and don't get caught up in what we can't do. What can we influence? What can we impact? And what do we need to leave by the wayside? So I think that that's very wise. And I think we each need to figure that out, right? Based on the industries that we're in or the companies that we work for, or if you work by yourself. Also, I would say that if you have that sort of anxiety, that's what groups like this is for, to come and share your your anxiety moments and to talk them out and to have this platform in which to have these shared experiences with others. So maybe one of the other things that we need to add to this is community. How are we at building community within our organizations? How good are we at finding communities for ourselves, you know, where we can learn from each other? even in an informal type of way. So Joyce, I see your comment being able to leverage the LMS to use the data to be able to fine tune learning plans. However, people are only interested in completions. Yeah, you know, LMSs are only really good for those butts and seats reports. But I'm curious, Joyce, what sort of reporting do you think when it comes to data, LMS reporting, et cetera, what do you think would be beneficial for us as we move into the future of learning and development? I would like to know what's happening more with the user while they're in the course where I work because we have a lot of people who have English as a second language. So I'd like to see like how many times that they are going through and having to review something or they have to go back or they have to do something because maybe that's not properly written for them or needs to be adjusted. And I feel like some of that data would be helpful to know if it's available. Is that a current skill that we should already be using? Is it a measurement that you see happening for the future? I don't know. And I, the reason I ask that question is that, again, it depends on where you sit, right? You know, if you have the ability to find that information out, then we should. But in some cases, you don't. So now you have to plan for the future. How can I? You know, and I, I believe that that's something that really goes under data, you know, to be able to say, not only read data, but find data. So maybe it's not unlike Kevin's learned something new here not so long ago, where he was talking about being the L&D detective. You know, how can we 
put on our Sherlock Holmes hat and find the data that we need to have in order to support what it is we're doing, right? I'm sure there's a fancy term for finding data, but I ain't fancy. So that's what we're doing. All right. Now, Jean, your comment here, can um, you give an example of using community? Yeah, right here, right now. The Learning Rebels itself is a community. We're a community of people we meet every other week, right? And some of you are very regulars. I see you every other week. No fail. Some of you are new. That's great too. And I encourage you guys to come and go as you need support. Not support from me, but support from your peers. And that's what this chat is all about. That's why it's not a webinar. It's a chat that goes back and forth between all of us. Now, Learning Rebels does have a formal community. So there is a community for people to join and connect and get research and to learn new things, et cetera. So we do have a formal community of practice, if you will. So there's a couple of ways there that you can do that. And you can do that within your organizations too. Now, and this great question is kind of leading me to this spiel, I suppose, is that next week I'm having a workshop on how to strengthen learning within communities. So I would encourage you to attend that, you know, because I believe that communities really are community-based learning is the future of where we're going. We'll learn it together. So it goes along with curation, the importance of curation, not just putting people in courses, but giving them the information they need in order to be successful. And that's why I believe that curation is something that is going to be critical to what we do in the future alongside building those important communities. I agree with you, Erica. What I believe here, when it comes to breaking down barriers, our role is to help do that, right? So then we become more advocates. So we're advocates of learning. We're advocates of skill building and helping breaking down those barriers. So now let me pose a question to you all. When it comes to helping to break down those barriers for skill building and also going along with being agile, right? So in order to break down the barriers, we have to be agile enough to see those barriers come through. So what are some of the skills that we need to take in order to have that more agile approach to what we do? What are some skills around that? I love it when a project is agile because it enables me to get into rooms that I wouldn't normally be in. Like, for example, when they have the daily stand-ups, you know, everybody's in the room, all levels of stakeholders, and you can actually know what is going on on the project, <laughs> you know, firsthand. And I just find it just feels less political as well. It just feels like it's all about oh. getting the job done and everybody just trying to support each other. There's more awareness of what areas of the project there's a lot of stress or strain or they're behind schedule or whatever. I just really see the benefits of working that way. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Agile, what other skills go into being agile? Being able to pivot suddenly. Yes, Jean. Staying in touch with each other on a regular cadence. So then we're talking about communication skills, right? Okay. And then to be able to work iteratively. So working iteratively, when we think about what skill does it take to do that? Being able to figure out what worked and what didn't, okay? Influencing, right? Yes, okay. And being iterative, that's always a word I have trouble spelling. And constantly reminding yourself or measuring yourself against those original outcomes 
and why those outcomes so that you're always making sure that you're going to meet those. And so what skill is that? The big picture. <laughs> yeah. And those are all, they're soft, right? It's like, oh, where's the, where's the class for being able to see the big picture? <laughs> Where is that at? I don't know. But there's lots of reading and research that we can do to build that skill inside ourselves where we can share that information. And it does go with upskilling. So we can put that somewhere because upskilling does, or the ability to realize when we need upskilling. Not only that, we can all sit here and think, yes, upskilling, thumbs up. We all agree that's important, but we don't do it for a variety of reasons. So then it becomes not just upskilling ourselves, but the desire to do it. It's like learning how to play an instrument. You have to have the instrument. You have to have the instructions on how to play the instrument. But most importantly, you have to have the desire in order to do so. So it's that three-legged stool, right? And with our own personal growth and our own personal upskilling capabilities, we have to have the desire to invest the time to upskill ourselves to address some of these skills that we're going to need in order to address the future. So when we talk about jargon, business acumen is being able to speak the language of business and not the language of learning. We know the language of learning. Yeah, I think it's also being able to translate the language of learning ah, into the language one. of business because some people have that little bit of training knowledge that they go, they went to some course at some conference 10 years ago and they think that they're, you know, an L&D expert. They throw around words that we use, but it's like, yeah, that's not what that really that means. means. I love that. Good point. Good point, Jason. It's not just translating the language. It's finding the common language. You know, the, the word mentoring, what does that mean here? What's the difference between team building and team development? There's, I find myself doing a lot of explaining about what I mean when I say certain things, because it's not bringing the same mental image to the people that I'm working with that it does in my own mind. And so I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to define things so that the language is common. Yes, yes. And I think those are great points to leave on. And maybe it's the most important point to leave on. The future of our position the future of learning and development is going to depend on how well we can display our relevance to the business because the business isn't going to continue to pay for a department that they feel is not relevant to them. Now, the argument could be made, yes, we're, we're doing great work. This also goes towards marketing. We're doing great work, but nobody realizes that we're doing great work and we don't know how to talk about the great work that we're doing. We don't know how to really share the great work that we're doing. So that all goes under the marketing box. But I think it's also about how are we communicating our value? How are we communicating the importance of learning and development to the organization, right? And I think that where we go from here is building to that skill of being able to be good partners. So when we say good partners to the business, most people have that eye of, partnering with someone in leadership, right? So I'm being a partner to the business. So that means I'm being a partner to somebody in leadership. But I believe in Shannon's belief here is being a partner to the business is being a partner to the whole business. How are we partnering with 
the French fry fryer guy or gal? How are we partnering with the produce department? How are we partnering with the admin assistants? How are we partnering with middle managers? How are we partnering with the business as a whole? And so then that means how are we communicating with everyone within that business? It probably starts there. If we're going to have a future within this business, how we're communicating with everybody and communicating how we're relevant and how we're helpful is critical. Hashtag just saying. That leads us to the top of the hour. So this went by quickly. So I encourage you to take a moment after we hang up today to think about what are some of the other skills that could be plugged into some of these boxes here. And then I'm going to use that and send it out to you know, send it out to everybody so everybody can see it and make use of it themselves. So I would appreciate all of your contributions as you continue on today. Our next coffee chat's coming up, practical applications to bridging the learning doing gap. Hopefully you guys can all see this on the events page in the Learning Rebels events page. And then also for our um, workshop next week for the communities workshop, I sent that out in a newsletter yesterday. And I hope to see you guys there. I'm going to put this link into the chat for everybody. So we've got our next roundup of coffee chats, bridging the learning doing gap. And then in December, we've got our fun things happening. We've got our uh, gifts for the trainer in your life, as well as our holiday party, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, So that's going to be a lot of fun. So I look forward to seeing you all there. And then the community itself, the Learning Rebels community. So take a look at that. Maybe that's a community for you and I hope to see you all there. In the meantime, I will see you, those of you who are new, these coffee chats are not every week, they are every other week. So I look forward to seeing you guys in two weeks where we are bridging the learning doing gap. So thank you everybody. Anyone plans this weekend? I have got to protect some plants from some of the cold that's coming along. I'm not looking forward to doing that, but uh, you've got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I hope uh, the snow uh, stops. <laughs> Thank you everyone for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. When you combine our last coffee chat about the role of instructional design and the conversation today about the skills we need to stay relevant, there's a lot to process. The future is not just about facilitation skills or LMS development and administration. It's about marketing, curation, having an agile mindset, developing the competencies to tackle technology and not just learning tech, all the tech, the tech from generative AI to machine learning to chatbot development. And I haven't even mentioned the continuous need for L&D to develop a solid competency about business acumen. Forget having a seat at the table. This is the fight for relevance. This means changing the paradigm around how we see the overall work of L&D and the skills needed to be successful. The future is bright, but will you be prepared? Well, you want to join us live? And you know you do. Go on over to learningrebels.com 
check out the events page and sign on up. And don't forget to check out the Learning Rebels community, where you can have an opportunity to build your knowledge and connect with other cool L&D professionals. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.